Podcast Answer Man, episode number 197. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hey, this is Chris Brogan from ChrisBrogan.com, and you're listening to the Podcast Answer Man. And welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and of course, this is the podcast about podcasting, helping you to take your show to the next level. We have a ton of questions that I am going to try to squeeze into today, and I'm also going to give you some of my thoughts regarding some recent um, news about PodCamp Nashville. All right, folks, uh, I have so much that I'm going to try to squeeze into this episode, and I just want to give you an up uh, update here real fast in the front what's going to be called uh, covered in this episode. John Wilkerson is going to call in about some thoughts on how to entice your audience to provide more feedback. Ever, Evan Waterman wants to know about what sound card I'm using for my USB sound card. The Last Honest Guy wants to know about how to get the best possible quality sound from Skyped co-hosts. Mike Young wants to know what's that last step. Uh, or no, Mike Young has a question about uh, informational product related to a book that he's thinking about doing. Uh, Santos Ali wants to know when it's right to switch your hosting provider when your service uh, becomes unavailable from time to time. Chef Mark has some thoughts on uh, Libsyn and hosting. Matthew Castile wants to know what that last step to get into iTunes is. Andy Traub wants to know how to prepare an audience for a heavy topic uh, when your show's format is typically light and positive. Um, and of course, I'm going to share my own personal feelings about some recent developments with PodCamp Nashville and their decision to choose their sessions by a random chance drawing. And of course, I am also going to give you an update on my podcasting A through Z course and uh, tell you how things are going as far as the signups and also some additional information that you may not realize uh, as far as the value of that uh, particular uh, coaching session that I'm going to be starting uh, this coming Tuesday, March 1st. So uh, there are still, I believe, six seats available, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But like I said, I am going to be squeezing a ton into this episode, and we're going to start off with John Wilkerson. John, take it away. Hey, Cliff, this is John Wilkerson from The Wired Homeschool over at thewiredhomeschool.com. And this question is for the podcast answer man. I hope it's not too late. I didn't realize it was being recorded this morning. Anyway, uh, I recently had an episode that got about five times as many downloads as any of my other podcast episodes. And the thing that absolutely blew me away was that I got no comments on it. In fact, I don't get a lot of feedback from the listeners of my podcast, um, generally only if I say something negative, uh, like I'm not going to be podcasting this week or um, I'm taking a, I might take a hiatus or something like that. Uh, I generally don't get any comments. So I was wondering if you had any suggestions for uh, engaging my audience and getting them to speak up. I mean, I guess it could be that my audience is just one that doesn't really want to engage, and I guess that's okay. But any suggestions you have for really getting uh, the audience to engage, to leave comments, to call my voicemail line, and things like that? You know, of course, I mention uh, my contact information all the time, 
and um, and you know for every episode, and it's on every uh, post that I put up there for a podcast. So, I wonder if you had any more suggestions for me. Thanks. Bye. All right, John, thank you very much for your question, and I am going to try to give you some thoughts here as far as uh, ways to entice your audience to become more engaged, provide you more feedback, and specifically some of that wonderful voicemail feedback that we podcasters, or many of us podcasters, love so much. So here are some thoughts. First and foremost, I want to say that some podcasters, and I'm not saying, John, that you do this, but some podcasters feel like if they just read off their voicemail feedback hotline phone number and say that this is a feedback hotline, they expect that people are just going to call them up. And I want to tell you that that generally is not enough. Now, I must admit that, you know, these days here for Podcast Answer Man, at the end of the show, it's like, I, I and actually at the end of most of my shows, I pretty much do just say, hey, folks, if you want to call in your questions, your feedback for the show, give us a call on our voicemail feedback hotline at 859-795-4067. And that generally is enough, but it wasn't in the beginning, okay? The reason why it's enough today is because I've primed the pump. The pump. Uh, there, there has been enough feedback that people generally know what to expect when they call in. Now, it's important for us all to remember this, especially us podcasters who get behind a microphone on a weekly basis. Uh, we have to remember that not everybody is as outgoing and is as bold with their thoughts and feelings as we are and as comfortable sharing their voice with the world. In fact, most people, and I'm going to say this, most people get extremely nervous whenever they actually call in on your voicemail feedback hotline or calling to a live radio show. I remember as a kid when I used to listen to the local radio station and they would have the all request hour or something like that, and, or you could even send out, uh, you, you could, um, oh gosh, what you could, you could devote a song or what do you call that when you, anyway, you, you basically say, listen, I want to send out a, a song uh, to so-and-so who might be out there listening and and, uh, and I would just remember calling and I remember the, the DJ would answer the line and say, hey, you're on the line. And, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I say? And, I, and I'm afraid of sounding stupid. And, of course, this is exactly how most of your listeners will feel. They're, they're afraid that if they call into your show and their voice is recorded, that they're going to say something that they're going to regret later. Not like, like they're going to say something that they're going to regret regret but they're it, they're afraid they're going to sound awkward calling into your show they don't know how it's going to work out and also they they may be afraid of how you might possibly respond and so the more that you get voicemail feedback and the more you respond to it and people get a feel for how you listen to people how you treat them when they call, whether or not you criticize them, whether or not you you encourage them and thank them and make them feel like they're the king of the world. All of those different things um, is going to play into how people feel about calling into your show and becoming more comfortable. And so anything you can do to ease the anxiety that your callers feel. In fact, starting out saying, you know what, hey guys, I want you to know um, every week, I listen. I, I list my phone number for the voicemail feedback hotline, and I, I don't think I have. I don't think you guys understand just how much it would mean to me as a podcaster, and how much of an encouragement it is to me when I get your voicemail feedback. And and you know, I realize that some of you out there, you've been thinking about calling in. 
but you're probably nervous, and there's nothing to be nervous about. In fact, I'll tell you what. Do this. If you call and you, at the end of your call, you feel like that call wasn't good enough, then call back and say, please don't use that message in, in, your, in your show. Or if you, if you want to say, you, if you want to call back and try a second time, say, hey, this is so-and-so, please ignore my first call. Let me try this again. And then I'll edit that part out. Do whatever you can to ease the anxiety and to tell people, you know, why, why it is that you want them to call in. So uh, those, are some, those are some ideas there. Here's another idea. Instead of just saying, hey, if you want to leave a question or call in some feedback, uh, here's the phone number. How about giving them something to say? A lot of people have a hard time. They're already nervous about calling in. Uh, so how about giving them something to actually say, giving them an idea of what message to leave? So you can do this by asking them a question that they can answer with their feedback. So for example, you might say, hey, what do you think are the, you know, is the number one way that you have found to do X, Y, Z? Give me a call and let me know what you think about that. And now all of a sudden you've given them a topic. This is very helpful. Here's another idea. Uh, let people know what you're going to talk about in the next two episodes. Uh, this is just an idea. And give them a number where they can call in. Uh, give them your number and say, listen, here's the I'm next week I'm going to be talking about this. And the week after that I'm going to be talking about this. And if you have any questions related to these, these two topics, if you call them in, I'll include them in these shows. So please give us a call. Tell me what you want to know about this subject. And I'll do my best to answer your question. So again, it's the whole idea of giving them something to talk about. It really helps reduce that anxiety of, of what they're going to say. Here's the other th things that I will share with you. Spend more time building one-on-one -on -one relationships with your audience. I can't stress this enough. The more people feel connected to you, they feel that, like they have uh, a relationship with you, the more comfortable they're going to feel calling into your show because they feel like they're just calling and leaving a voicemail for a friend. And that's what you want. Now, John, you had said that sometimes the, the t only time you seem to get responses is when you say something negative, such as, I'm not going to be recording a show this week or whatever. Th this is another perfect example of what you can do to generate feedback for your show. And that is to provoke your audience. Um, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, do things purposely to provoke them. It's, it's, it's not something that I would recommend for everybody, but I will tell you that, that when I get very passionate about a topic and I talk about Leo Laporte and I start really sharing how I completely disagree with how he feels about something and, and, and by golly, I don't really think about what I'm saying. I just speaking from raw emotion and it really, there, there are some people who are passionately for what I'm saying and some people who are passionately against what I'm saying. Well, guess who actually calls in and provides their feedback? It's the people who completely disagree with me. And, and I'll tell you what, provoking your audience in a positive way can certainly generate some, some feedback as well. Now, I want to tell you right now, I am not a fan of this next method at all. Uh, in fact, I, I really don't like it when I hear it. Although, I will tell you, some people have found, and I will say, mild success in bribing their audience to respond. 
I, and and I oh I don't like it personally. I, I I'm not I don't mean to judge anybody. I don't want you if you do this. I don't want you to feel judged by me. I, I'm not judging you. I just don't like it. I, I feel like in a way it's it's begging your audience. It, it it's it's almost like you know what I'm not good enough for you to call me and and leave me feedback on the voicemail feedback hotline and and I I don't have enough confidence in myself to do this. Oh my gosh, am I just now telling you that's how I feel about you if you do this? No, it's not really. But this is how I personally feel if I were to do it, okay? Uh but you know what? I'm not it's I'm not going to offer you a free book to the first 3 people who call in for the next episode. Um but, but some people do that and and some people find some mild success. I, I've hardly ever, I've got hundreds of clients that I've helped launch podcasts and I've heard four or five podcasters or clients who have done this and they would do it week after week after week. And and I will tell you, they would, some of them would pr- promise, you know, for the first three callers that call in, I'll I'll pr- give you a free copy of such and such book that would be very valuable to the audience in which they're speaking to and they those folks have d- people who are downloading their show every week and I'll tell you what I know some of the podcasters they went 6 7 weeks offering this and never gave away a free book all right so I, I just <laughs> caller number three gets a caller number three gets a free high LPR forty now I guarantee you that would actually generate something but. I again, I just don't think that bribing your audience to respond is the best way. Building a relationship with your audience, I think, is going to do more in the long run, and that takes time. And uh, the last option is, and and here, I'm going to warn you about running the risk of being inauthentic here. All right, but you could prime the pump, um, and and I've not done this myself. I've considered doing it before, but I never actually got around to doing it. But you could try to prime the pump yourself. And by this, I mean giving, you know, go to some of your your closest friends who would do you a favor, give them the phone number to your voicemail feedback line, feed them a question that is something that you plan to talk about in your show anyway. And instead of you introducing the topic, you would actually be playing their voicemail where they're calling in. And of course, they're not going to say, hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm your friend, and you, I'm doing this because you asked me to call in. Um, or actually, you could. If you want to be authentic, have a friend of yours. I, I, let's just say I have my friend Andy Traub. Andy could call in and say, hey, Cliff, this is Andy Traub, you know, your best friend that I, you know, I really don't listen to your podcast, but you begged me to call in so that people would understand that, it, you know, <laughs> that they can call in. I mean, I, I I think you'd get more response out of, you know, being authentic and having your your quote unquote fake caller call in with their fake question and actually reveal that they're calling in a fake question just because you are so desperate for having feedback. There's nothing wrong with being, de- the truth is, John, you're calling in and you're asking, I'm desperate for more feedback, is be authentic and tell your audience, I'm desperate for more feedback. That's how I do it. And so, folks, by the way, if you want to call in questions and feedback for this podcast, uh, please do so at 859-795-4067. All right, next up we have Evan Waterman. And Evan, take it away. Hi, Cliff. This is Evan Waterman from the Darts Around the World podcast. I have a question for the podcast Answer Man. I'm having issues with uh, my iMic sound card I use to uh, bring in Skype onto my mixing board. And I learned that actually from you that you use a USB sound card. But I'm having uh, like this popping noise um, that I'm hearing getting into the audio. Obviously, it's only going to somebody who's on the other end. 
so it's not going into the audio, but I'm curious if what kind of sound card you do use, whether it is the actual iMic USB sound card that I'm using or if it's something else. So I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for everything you do. Take care. Alrighty, thank you very much, um, Evan, for calling in. And to be honest with you, you know, I should probably reach around here and look, but it's not going to matter because I'm using some generic uh, USB sound card that I paid nine dollars and ninety-seven cents on Amazon for. And in fact, I use two different sound cards. One's a sound pla- one's a Sound Blaster Pro USB sound card, and uh, I actually had to replace it with another cheapie because I was having some issues with that one myself. The driver would quit working every now and then, and I had to unplug it and plug it back in just to keep it up and running, even on my Mac. And uh, I found that that some of the generic ones work. I do not use the iMic uh, sound card. Uh, however, it, it looks to be like a, a good card. Uh, my recommendation would be if you have another computer to plug it in and uh, do some testing on another system and see if it's working. But to be honest with you, I've used a lot of different uh, USB sound cards, and they're so cheap, you shouldn't spend more than uh, anywhere between $10 and $35 is the max I would spend on one of these things. And uh, you can find them on on Amazon. I would just go to Amazon.com and do USB sound card and... uh, if if you find that this Griffin iMic's not working, just try another one and see if that will work. But uh, to be honest with you, the the one that I'm using that's plugged in, or the ones that I'm using that's plugged into my Mac right now, they are no brand, no name um, sound cards, and they're both different. And uh, I've certainly had experiences where the USB sound card that I'm I've you, actually the one I spent the most money on the Sound Sound Blaster Pro. USB sound card, that one's actually just tossed in a drawer somewhere because it the driver just didn't work all the time. So, Evan, sorry I don't have a better answer for you, but I hope you do get the uh, the problem troubleshooted and worked out for you. All right, Last Honest Guy is next. Hello, Cliff. This is The Last Honest Guy from thelasthonestguy.com. And this question is for the podcast answer man. And I recently started a podcast that deals with relationship advice from a guy's perspective. Now this podcast is hosted by me and a good friend of mine who happens to live in a different city. Uh, we mainly use Skype to record the, the episodes and right now we're having some issues on audio quality. Uh, we seem to be getting a lot of static noise uh, mainly from my side. He's the one doing the recording on his end my question is, how can we achieve the best possible audio quality using Skype? And what kind of equipment will you recommend? Something that's affordable for now and that could possibly lead us to upgrading later to something uh, more on the high end. Um, anything from headsets to mics and recording software that you know of and you might recommend. I uh, would greatly appreciate it. Um, I know other podcasts that I listen to do this kind of stuff, and you can't even notice the difference between them being in the same room or being in opposite sides of the country. Uh, and that's mainly what we're trying to achieve here, uh, make it have the best sound quality possible. So, like I said, please recommend me any kind of software, and equipment that is affordable that we can use for now that will give us the best possible audio quality. Uh, Cliff, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. 
I listen to podcast answer men all the time, so I hope to hear my answer soon. Goodbye, Cliff. All right, thank you so much. Now, um, you didn't call in about this, but uh, and and gosh, I I really don't want to do this because it's a it's against my principles to give feedback on audio quality when you don't ask for it. But I'm I'm going to say it. Um, I, and I don't know your name, but I'll just call you last honest guy. But anyway, I just want to say that you you sent this feedback into me as an MP3 file, uh, and I just looked. I, I'm looking here right now, and it is. Um, it is uh, recorded at 128 kilobits per second, and uh, the audio quality of that, I, I can just tell you right now that you used uh, e- probably Audacity to convert that to MP3 using the lame encoder, and the reason I know that is because your audio quality is really washed out uh, in, in, in a pretty bad way. Now, of course, those of you who are listening to this episode via computer speakers or your car speakers, you didn't notice it. But if you're listening like I am with headphones or if you have earbuds in, you probably could go back, listen to that again now, and hear just the washed out sound. The sound of, it, it almost sounds like you're gargling on your own uh, words. And this is very typical of 128 kilobits per second lame audio encod- uh, encoding. And, and it's called, the, the, actually, I'm, I'm not just saying it's lame, although uh, I do believe the lame encoder is lame and, and I'll, I'll always defend that, that position. Uh, but if you're going to use the lame encoder, I would recommend that you bump your um, settings up to 192 kilobits per second just to sound good. Otherwise, uh, I would recommend that you uh, you, if you're going to use Audacity, um, go ahead and export your entire podcast or whatever audio you're recording. Export it as a WAV file to your desktop, and then go in and use uh, iTunes to convert your WAV file over to MP3. And you can do that by opening up iTunes, go into the settings, and when you get into what the import settings under, I think it's the general tab. Um, you should be able to change it from AAC encoder to MP3, change it to good, which will do 128 kil- kilobits per second, and then go in and drag that file into your music library, right-click on it or go up to the top and click on advanced, and then put convert to MP3. It will use the Fraunhofer encoder to encode it over to an MP3 file at 128 kilobits, and your audio quality will be massively improved. Now, that's not exactly what he called in about, but if you want to know how to get the best sound from your Skype uh, co-hosting situation, you said that you have some static stuff on there. First, I want to say that it could possibly be a bandwidth issue, uh, so the, it's important that you and your co-host both have great bandwidth on both sides of the equation to get the best sound. Uh, it's also possible that uh, one or the other could have a hardware issue where your sound card just isn't up to par, uh, and it's and it's bringing uh, some issues. Especially if you're using an internal sound card, you could be getting some interference from other internal working compu- components, and that's where one of those uh, you know ten fifteen dollar USB sound cards could actually solve an issue for you. Um, and then of course the other thing is that um, uh, the the best possible solution. I mean, that you can't get it. I, I can't think of any way to get any better quality on a Skype uh, co-hosted situation. Uh, it creates a lot of additional work, but you could do what's called a double ender. And that's where your, your co-host, who's recording everything on his end, he just records his audio only. And then you would record your audio, audio 
uh, only. And so each of you would be sending your audio into your recording software, but not recording the other person's audio. And then what would happen is you could send your file via Dropbox, let's say, over to your co-host, and he can open up the audio editing software, match up the two files, and then export it out as a single file. And uh, it is a lot of work, but I tell you what, you don't get any better than that. Uh, so last honest guy, I hope those uh, thoughts are helpful to you. And next we're going to turn over to Mike Young. Moving right along. Hey, Cliff, this is Mike Young from the Beyond Your Wedding Day podcast at beyondyourweddingday.com. And I had a question for you uh, for the podcast answer, man, about an info product idea that I've been tossing around. My wife, Manny, and I have done a series of podcasts about a, around a particular book. We kind of discuss the book chapter by chapter for each episode. And we actually just started doing another one um, as all part of our Beyond Your Wedding Day podcast. And my thought was to create an info product that people could buy that as kind of a series and maybe with some extra features for that. But my biggest concern is copyright issues. I don't. I didn't know if I needed to get permission from the authors to do that. I mean, obviously, I'd be encouraging people to buy the book. I even thought of maybe including the book, you know, and send it to them as part of the price. But I wanted to get your thoughts on if I need to contact anybody or get permission before I do anything. That thanks a lot for everything you do, and I especially appreciate the awesome logo that you hooked me up with for the Beyond Your Wedding Day podcast. Thanks again, Cliff. All right, Mike, thank you so much, and uh, great idea. Uh, by the way, congratulations on uh, continuing to produce your podcast. I love it when podcasters are out there. They they start a podcast and continue to move forward, and I'm glad to hear that you're working on your first uh, information product. And, you know, I had an idea once, uh, and I kind of killed the idea just because I probably spent way too much time talking about it. Uh, but I was really, really passionate, really excited about Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crush It. And I remember saying to myself and actually saying to everybody in this podcast how awesome this was. And I was going to create a product that was going to be my notes on it. And it was going to be kind of like, I don't know, I, I probably wasn't going to call it Cliff's Notes on Crush It. But uh, it was going to be you know an information product where I would actually uh, record you know, a, you know, an audio book uh, where I would actually share my thoughts on each and every chapter. And I wouldn't really spend a lot of time quoting anything from him. So as long as I didn't actually use a ton of his original work, I don't think I would have even needed to even get his permission. And it would certainly not have been any problem for me to buy a bunch of books and include it. The only thing is, is I would need to be careful of branding my product with his product's name. So, um, you know, that... I, I is I think that as long as you work around some of those things. However, let me tell you, if I was going to go that route, here's exactly what I would have done. I would have approached Gary Vaynerchuk. I would have told him how amazing his book was and how inspirational it was and how it is exactly how I built my brand and my business. And I was so passionate that I wanted to create a you know the information product. And I would explain it to him in detail exactly what was involved. And um, in fact, I, before I even contact him, I would actually record a sample of the first chapter, per, for example, and I would send that along and say, hey, do you mind if I market this and I plan on including a copy of your book with every order that I personally will purchase? And chances are, 
I would say there's probably a good 90% chance that Gary would be blown away. He would be honored and and flattered by it and and probably would offer me a bulk discount on purchasing books from him. Uh, authors out there are are typically now Gary Vaynerchuk is Vaynerchuk is not, but the typical author is a lousy marketer. Uh, and and by the way, those are not my words. Those are the words of my great friend Dan Miller. And I don't know. And I may not have actually got that as an exact quote. But uh, I just heard that last week. I was on the Dan Miller No More Mondays uh, cruise, and we were we they that's this came up as a conversation. But anyway, the typical author is very passionate about writing, but is not really great at marketing. So anything that they can do to help spread the word about their book and their brand, they're going to, they probably will be interested in jumping on it. Mike, my recommendation to you is not to try to do an information product around somebody else's product of any kind without getting their consent. That That's my number one recommendation. If you can't get their consent, uh, you could find ways of working around the scenario by avoiding the brand name by being very you know uh you know unique with your own branding and and completely trying to disavow it from anything but always using your own product to kind of refer to the inspira- inspired thoughts of another book and there's nothing that could keep you from including a copy of that book with ever you know as a free gift to anybody who buys your informational product and of course you could then build that into the product price that's my thoughts but again I would always seek their the original authors uh, consent in that matter. We're going to move on to Santos. Santos, take it away. Hey, Cliff. This is uh, Santos Auli. I'm calling from Deltona, Florida. Uh, just first wanted to tell you this question that I have is for the podcast Answer Man. Uh, I'm loving the community, and I am loving the equipment that I received uh, just a couple of weeks ago and have been producing uh, my brand-new podcast with it. Um, I've been listening to Podcast Answer Man uh, for a little while now, since December when I started podcasting and came across you. And listening to episode 195 of Podcast Answer Man, you stated that most podcasters um, that go on to continue podcasting make it past their 10th episode. And I definitely have made it past that 10th episode mark actually quite, uh, quite a little while ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my question for you is, uh, I have had a couple of scares um, as I've been having problems with my current uh, host, if I'm using that word correctly, where I have not been able to get into my webpage and then upon calling them and going through customer service and live chat, They've uh, been able to help me out, but it's been far more too often than what I would appreciate and, and I would want it to happen. And I know you may mention in previous podcasts that you decided at one time to change from your host provider, I believe GoDaddy, to um, your current host provider, which the name escapes me right now. Uh, I believe it's Bluehost, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, my question for you is, uh, when do you make a decision like that to change um, host uh, providers uh, so that 
you're not going through the same dilemma over and over again. I, I really feel like I should be building up now, even though I'm in the early stages of my podcasting uh, experience here. Uh, but if I can just get a host that I know is going to keep all my things in line and, uh, you know, alleviate that fear, then I would definitely love to hear your feedback on that. So thank you so much. Keep up the good work, and I'll hear from you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Santos, Santos, thank you so much for calling in. And uh, I'm going to tell you, this is episode 197. Please do me a favor. I know you are you had just finished, I think you said, listening to 195 when you had called that in. Episode 196, last week's episode, is fully devoted to just that topic. Um, and so I encourage you to check it out. And, uh, you know, if you're really serious about just going ahead and upgrading to a host that you probably won't need to worry about switching to later, I will tell you, I shared all about it last week, but I just I just love who I'm with now. Servant Hosting, S-E-R-V-I-N-T, uh, hosting, and I do have an affiliate link if you're interested over at podcastanswerman.com. I still like Bluehost for a majority of podcasters, but if you if you just want to go ahead and just skip the shared hosting and go straight to a better solution such as virtual private servers, uh, Servant Hosting, their service is out of this world. I've been up and running on them for two weeks now, and I could not be happier. And here I am, uh, second week, or actually, no, three weeks now I've been with them. And uh, this is the second time I've been doing live show Thursday uh, and have not experienced any slowness whatsoever on my servers and um and and their support is out of this world anyway check them out servant hosting and uh you know the thing is though is last week you did call in a question that i covered and uh i want to just share with you that uh basically i'm going to read to you word for word what i put in the show notes because i avoided i didn't avoid but i neglected to put this answer to one of your questions in that episode and so here's what i wrote in the show notes after the after the episode was posted he also mentioned that he recently had an issue on his website where it said that there was a database error on his server and, and that his server was unavailable. I got so excited about sharing my story about web hosting that I forgot to answer his question about what to do with these WordPress database backups. Uh, Santos, first or Santos, first and foremost, your hosting provider should have backups of your data and should be able to restore your site if anything goes terribly wrong. In a worst case scenario, if you're if you have your database backup, you'd be able to reinstall WordPress and that backup file to restore all your archived posts and settings back to the way they were during the last time you did the backup. Your hosting provider could probably walk you through the restore process if you need that help, uh, and chances are you probably never will, by the way. Uh, in all my years of working with WordPress, I've had a ton of issues with various hosting providers. However, I have never had to restore my own site from a backup that I had previously made. Now, the thing is, though, is there have been times when I've switched from one hosting provider to another, and I did use databases, database backups to get the information off of one server and then create a new WordPress installation on a new hosting provider. And then I was able to ten, then take that database and restore the information, to put it that way. But I never had to do it because of it, you know, data being lost. 
So, and, and trust me, I've had some pretty lousy experiences with GoDaddy and still never had that issue. And they've been able to restore my site from one of their backups in the past. Bluehost uh, also was able to do that once for me as well. But yeah, last epi- last week's episode, I shared how I am no longer on Bluehost for anything. Um, I still recommend them highly for the average podcaster, but for somebody who's building a business, building a brand that's going to be dependent on providing services and products to their clients that that hire, buy things off of their site, probably shared hosting isn't the best solution. So go listen to episode 197. All right, Chef Mark has some thoughts. Hey, Cliff, it's your old friend Chef Mark in New York City calling with feedback for Podcast Answer Man. I noticed that uh, in one of your recent shows, you had a couple of things which which were uh, of interest. One was the question of whether or not you would still be able to have access to your files on Libsyn after canceling the service. Um, I can tell you anecdotally that uh, for a while we were using the Libsyn Pro service, which was a little bit more expensive than the basic Libsyn service that you guys were talking about. Um, at the time, we, we needed it, and, we, and uh, it was very useful, but then we went ahead and switched over to blip.tv for all of our hosting needs, and we went ahead and switched our stuff over and switched all of our links, but I found out later that the, uh, all the files were, were still there and remained there. In fact, they remain there to this day. Of course, you can never count on that, and I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't approach that as a business strategy because <laughs> um, they may very well just go ahead and, and take them down. So I just thought anecdotally it would be of interest. Secondly is talking about uh, managed hosting versus shared hosting. And uh, just wanted to point out that we now use, for all of our hosting at Gilded Fork and all of our various websites, we use foomg.com. That's F-O-O-M-G.com. And it's actually a small little outfit that's run by my friend Dean Hall. And he uh, provides managed hosting and um, VPS, you know, virtual private servers, starting at $75 a month. And it's really a really good deal. And, uh, you know, that's for 512 megabyte server size, 16 gigabytes disk space, and 200 gigabytes of bandwidth. And he does all the setup for free. The the advantage that I find working with FUMG and Dean is that he is, uh, very personable and real service oriented. I mean, he, he's not uh, he, he's not a huge outfit. You know, he's not a big giant company where you're going to be a, a nameless, uh, faceless customer with just some numbers. So uh, everyone should check it out. Foomg.com. F-O-O-M-G.com. All right. All right, Ciao. Mark. Thanks, Mark. Ciao uh, for calling in that uh, valuable feedback. And of course, uh, it sounds like uh, you know it, it, it could be possible if you stop paying your lips and bill that it might sit. That content may remain on the servers for some time. But as Mark says, I definitely wouldn't count on it. Um, and then, of course, uh, thank you for the additional recommendation of managed hosting through virtual private servers through EpicFoo.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I do, however, uh, love servant hosting. I do have an affiliate relationship with them. I, I mean, so there's benefit for me to financially uh, to recommend uh, servant hosting, but I would not recommend them unless I personally believed without a shadow of a doubt that it would be a great solution. And uh, you can continue to follow my process and and go to all of my sites at podcastanswerman.com, gspn.tv, virtualassistantpodcast.com, and all of my other sites to see how well those sites are up and running and loading and stuff like that. And they are a rel- relatively large company. They've been around for a very long time. And uh, the, the cool thing is, is I, I'm not just treated like a little you know peon as I have been with shared hosting accounts before. 
I'm treated like a king when I call because I'm actually paying a pretty significant monthly amount. And their virtual private servers start at $50 a month. And just so you know, I'm starting out with the $50 a month plan and uh, it is managing my traffic extremely, extremely well. But Mark, thank you again for the additional resource and your personal recommendation for Epic Foo, or not Epic Foo. Was it Epic Foo? Uh, no, FooMG, <laughs> epic Foo, uh, FooMG.com. All right, so Matthew's got a question. Cliff, this is Matthew Castile with the How to Write a Song HQ.com podcast. And I just wanted to call in with a comment and a question. One, the comment is, thank you so much. Because of your podcast and um, some of the products I bought, I am now in, I just finished up my second podcast on how to write a song podcast have done some great interviews i'm using my ederol a mixing board and just a sm58 microphone now but the ederol was really that piece of equipment that helped me get to the whole next level i'm very very excited to see where this is going i'm having a lot of fun i just wanted to go one more time the process of uploading to lipson which i've done putting that in my podcast, which I've done. So my last two podcasts, I have put them on Libsyn and then I put them in the posts and I have those categorized under podcast on my website, howtowriteasonghq.com. I just am not totally sure how do I then put them onto iTunes. I just need to walk through that one more time. I know I've heard it explained several times, but just one more time now that it's fresh, I'm practicing just-in-time learning, so I'm just trying to learn things I need right now because I was getting way overwhelmed and I wasn't doing anything. So if you could go over that one more time, I would greatly appreciate it for the podcast Answer Man. Cliff, once again, thank you so much. You have made a huge difference in my life, and I'm very excited about what is in store. Thanks. All right, Matthew, thank you very much for the question. And as far as uh, taking the last step of getting submitted into iTunes, it's really not that difficult. So here's what you do. Uh, hopefully you set up your permalinks uh, so that, that you know your categories are pulling up with the actual category's name instead of like question mark, category equals something, 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 you know, in the category number. Uh, and uh, if you, as long as your permalinks are set up, you should be able to go to your domain name slash category slash the slug of the category. For example, mine, my, the name of my category is podcast episodes, but the slug is podcast. So if you go to, actually, you know what? No, this, for podcast answer man, believe it or not, I think it's a podcast slash category. And the slug for my podcasts are podcast answer man, all one word. So if you were to go to podcastanswerman.com slash category slash podcastanswerman, then you're going to see the, the just podcast episodes only on my website. And then if you put slash F-E-E-D at the end of that, you get an RSS feed that is just the RSS for that particular, pod, that particular category. And that's what I usually send to iTunes. However... I don't send it to iTunes until after I've sent it through FeedBurner. So you can sign up for a free account over at FeedBurner.com. And then once you do that, it'll say enter your feed that you are, that you want to burn. You paste in your domain name slash category slash your slug for your podcast episode slash feed. Click the little button that says I'm a podcaster. 
and then just go through and fill out all the information. You don't have to click the extra things for all the other stats and the click-throughs. In fact, I don't even like those things. I don't even like the stats that FeedBurner provides, so I ignore all of that. But if, do fill out all the category information, the description, and, and all that good stuff. And then once you have that, then FeedBurner is going to tell you what your FeedBurner feed is. So it's like feeds.feedburner.com slash minus PAM for Podcast Answer Man. And then what I do is I take my feeds you know, HTTP colon slash slash feeds.feedburner.com slash PAM. And then I copy that and I go over to iTunes, open up iTunes, then click on the music store. Then click on podcasts on the right-hand side. You'll see at the top right-hand corner a bunch of links, and one of them says submit a podcast to iTunes. Click that. It'll ask you to sign in with your Apple ID and, and password if you don't have one, register one. And then once you do that, then you just paste in your URL of your feed, your HTTP colon slash slash feeds.feedburner.com slash PAM or whatever yours is, and then you hit submit. And then it'll actually show you a display to make sure everything looks appropriate. As long as it does, you're ready to go. Hit submit or go ahead and hit submit again or whatever the button is. And then it'll tell you that your podcast has been successfully submitted. It's under review and we'll be in contact with you shortly. You should get something within the next one to two days saying that you've been approved, hopefully. And uh, that should take care of you. Uh, if you have any questions regarding any of this, I really encourage everybody out there to check out uh, podcastanswerman.com slash products, or if you go to podcastanswerman.com, it's under services at the top hand, uh, uh, top of the site in the in the nav bar under services, or if you just go to podcastanswerman.com slash products, I have a product called WordPress for Podcasters, and uh, it walks you through every single minute step of the process of setting up a podcast through iTunes and and uh, and everything, including installing and, and everything on, on setting up WordPress. So there you go. All right, Matthew, that was yours. And then Andy Traub's our last call of the day. And then I get to talk about uh, two other things that I'm very passionate about. So Andy, go right ahead, my friend. Hey, Cliff. Andy Traub, your co-host of Business Tech Weekly and close personal friend you've never met in person. Uh, my question is for Podcast Answer Man. And it's not a technical question technical question, sorry. Uh, it's more of a the heart of your show question. So I have Be a Better Husband podcast, and I've done five episodes. And I have a new episode idea pretty much every day, but I haven't actually recorded a new episode in a couple months. And I'll tell you why. The, the heart of Be a, Better Husband podca- Be a Better Husband podcast is to help myself and other men be better husbands. And my family is very good friends with another family. And that, that family that we know uh, Jesus-loving, God-fearing people, whatever, uh, have had a major, major divorce, big, big breakup. So what does that do with my podcast? I am, like, fired up. I'm, like, enraged, upset, uh, frustrated to no end at the actions of this couple. And, and, I, and I know that I can't record an episode of Be a Better Husband podcast without talking about their situation. So I guess the, the, the podcast has been pretty encouraging so far, sort of lighthearted, and this is a pretty, like, dig-in topic about divorce and about infidelity and adultery and what that does to kids. And so I guess I'm just looking for direction on do you, like, like warn your, <laughs> your listeners that this is going to be a pretty heavy episode? What do, you, what do you do when your show takes a big turn and you've got a big, heavy topic? I'm not afraid to say things I need to say, 
I'm trying to figure out how to phrase them so it doesn't throw people off. Um, and they, and they, um, and they, they, they listen. They don't just shut it off because it's important stuff. So thanks for doing all you do, and I look forward to hearing your answer. All right, Andy, thank you for the call, my friend. And uh, let's see here. The first thing I would say is obviously share from your heart. But, yes, if, if your show has always been more upbeat, very positive, very encouraging, and, and, and very much family-friendly, then my recommendation is that before you kind of throw them a curveball curveball on the you know typical format and 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 feel of your show um then i would i would put a little warn- word of warning at the very beginning of the episode to say hey everybody you know normally basically all you have to do is say hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the be a better husband uh you know normally this show has so far every episode has been been very lighthearted positive encouraging and 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 to be honest with you, quite family friendly. And and if that's what you've come to uh, expect here, chances are you might possibly have your kids listening or something like that in the background while you're listening in the car or something, uh, or maybe you're you're cleaning around the house or you're doing something, and, the, and there might be little ears around. Uh, I'm gonna just tell you that that this episode today is probably not for young years. And to be honest with you, I'm going to be very passionate about a very important topic that that you may want to consider might not be the most family-friendly when it comes to little ears. And so with that word of warning, I want to tell you that today's episode is going to be about divorce and infidelity. And I'll be honest with you, I'm very much enraged about this topic, and I'm passionate, and I'm going to say some things that are just a little bit different than what you've heard me share in the past. And then from that point forward, let let it loose. Let it loose. You've done everything you need to do. You don't have to tell them that, you know, I'll wait five minutes while you go, and because <laughs> at that point, they can just hit stop if they've got kids uh, and, and listen to it later, put the earbuds in, or whatever the case may be. But uh, but let loose, and of course, obviously, I, I don't need to coach you on on being cautious about what you share, about who you share, and, and linking it back to certain people, you know, and kind of keeping it more in general, and and talking, you know, not specifically about eat, you know, somebody's particular uh, individual, um, you know, circumstances, so that you're you're basically telling you're airing somebody else's dirty laundry, uh, but but uh, I do share that advice with those who might be listening in case you you hadn't thought about that you really want to be cautious out there folks if you have if you're very passionate about somebody specifically and what's going on in their lives that you're not sitting there sharing and airing their dirty laundry even if you protect their names to protect the innocent and stuff like that uh, you just got to be very careful and cautious about those things. All right so uh, now I want to share with you some thoughts uh, about uh, podcamp Nashville uh, some something that I found out recently. Uh, I I went on. I've been going to PodCamp Nashville every year since PodCamp Nashville first started. And you guys know me here at Podcast Answer Man. You know that I'm passionate about PodCamps. I love PodCamps. Love speaking at PodCamps. It's it's absolutely my. It's one of my favorite things. I look forward to each and every uh, year. And and I try to attend as many as these PodCamps that I can. And I'll be honest with you, I. I want to speak at them. I, I I do. I love to speak at podcasts. 
And so I do everything within my power to make that possible. And and to be honest with you, the appeal of going to a pod camp uh, and not speaking is nowhere near as great. In fact, uh, you know, especially if it contains a large traveling distance for me, uh, the the appeal of going to a pod camp and not being able to speak is just not as much of a draw. And uh, I've been uh, some, you know, I've been very vocal about some of my thoughts recently on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, and and you know, some people assume that the only reason I'm interested in going to a pod camp is to, you know, because, you know, I, I basically generate income from building my brand and, uh, and uh, you know, exposing my business to the audience of this ripe, you know, perfect target audience for my business. And I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, th- that I don't benefit from that. And I don't actually, I'm not going to lie and tell you that I don't enjoy that and actually see that as, a, as one of the reasons why I love to go to podcasts and talk. Uh, it, it really is. A, it is. It is a motivating factor. But if anybody out there uh, believes that that's my number one motivating factor for me to only want to speak to go to a pod camp uh, that's more than an hour away uh, is if I get to speak, then you're absolutely wrong. Um, it, it's just not true. It's it's not about the money, especially not in March, because in March I'm going to make sixteen thousand dollars in March. Uh, and so, to be honest with you, I, I'm doing okay. Um, and and if I don't get to speak and promote my business in front of a pod camp in in March of 2010, I think I'm going to be okay. But I still want to go to Pod Camp Nashville 2011, and I still desperately want to speak. And I want to tell you why. All right, and the reason why is because for me, you, you guys might not believe this, but I'm not a very outgoing kind of guy. I, I and I'm not an extrovert. Uh, it sounds ridiculous. You hear me every week. You hear me. Go, I'm very outgoing. Chances are you've maybe even come to a gspn.tv meetup and you see me, you know, going around and talking to people and and having a laugh and all of that other stuff. Well, this is all fine and well. The the thing is, is I'm a very I'm very easygoing and it's very easy for me to strike up conversations when I know people extremely well. All right. When I know some, when I know people extremely well, I feel comfortable around them, and I can go up and I can talk. I can uh, talk to um, folks with without with relative ease. Um, but if I go to a place, and uh, you know, and and I don't know the people there, and and there's either somebody standing by themselves, or a group of two or three or four or five people in a in a circle talking. Uh, the chances of me going up and introducing myself or even just kind of, you know, you know, standing next to them to see if I can participate in the conversation, uh, the chances of me doing that are next to nil unless I really force myself to be very vulnerable and, and to get in there and do it. And I've done that on occasion. It's the most I, – I, it's, it's, it's a very stressful situation for me. I'd rather speak in front of 20,000 people who don't know me than to go up and introduce myself to a single person that doesn't know me. I, it, it's it's weird. And so for me, what I found is that when I go to a pod camp, and, and by the way, I, I, I strongly encourage anybody out there to find somebody who's more passionate about podcasting than I am. All right. There might be there might be one to three or four other people who are as passionate as I am or even cl- maybe relatively close to as passionate about podcasting as I am. But nobody's out there. I, I don't think anybody out there is more passionate about podcasting than I am. And, and I don't mean that to be arrogant. I'm just, this is my number one passion, folks. And and the thing is, is, is 
I look for opportunities where people want to hear me still talk about podcasting. It's the reason why Podcast Answer Man is my favorite podcast is because it's this is my number one passion. And you guys come here every week to listen to what I have to say. To be honest with you, most people are sick and tired. All of my friends that aren't into podcasting, they're sick and tired of hearing me talk about podcasting. They would they wish I would talk about their interests, like sports, whatever that stuff's all about. Anyway, I'm just not it, but you know, podcasting, I could talk about it night and day endlessly and to think that there's a conference called PodCamp that is about podcast well by golly the the idea of me getting up in front of a group of people of, of 20 to 20,000 people that might be interested in hearing me talk about my experiences and my love and my passion for podcasting you better believe I want to get in front of those people and will that build my brand and expose them to my business and will I generate income Chances are yes. In fact, I can tell you guaranteed yes. Um, I can tie back. I can actually tie twenty thousand dollars worth of income to the last two years of PodCamp. All right. Uh, I I can tie some even bigger experiences, such as being invited to cover CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, in two thousand ten uh, or no two thousand nine uh, from Panasonic. Panasonic was going to do all expenses paid for me to go to the Consumer Electronics Show. And that was a result of the very first PodCamp experience. So yes, I benefit greatly in my business and my brand from speaking. But that's not why. That's not my number one reason for wanting to speak at these things. My number one reason is because when I go up and I speak at a PodCamp, immediately following that event, for the rest of the entire day, I am, I've got a line of people or a crowd of people surrounding me wanting to ask me questions and start conversations about the topic of podcasting. It puts me in the most comfortable position I could possibly be in. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like a kid in, in, in an amusement park. I feel, like, I feel like an Apple fanboy standing in line waiting for the next iPad or iPhone to be announced or to, to be released. I, it is the best place for me. And, and, and I can't tell you what, what fires me up about it. And so much so that uh, podcasts, I, I I look for the ones that are within a relatively uh, me, uh, you know manageable driving distance to me, and and every one of them, and and sometimes I even fly to PodCamp Boston, uh, and I'll I'll do everything I can to get on their speaking list. Sometimes working uh, as much as now PodCamp Nashville last year, I spent approximately seven hours trying to get on their list of speakers last year because they have these things called speak ups. And you have to be in Nashville to actually propose your event. And then, of course, they might open it up if there's some room left over last year. And, and of course, it all filled out and, and I didn't get on. And then all of a sudden, I heard that they, they were going to open up a couple more slots last year. And it was only going to be open for a couple hours on one morning. And I was recording live shows all day. And you know what? Thankfully, my good friend Jonathan uh, told me about it. And he says, why don't you have your VA try to get you in? I had my VA spend an hour and a half trying to get into that site, refreshing the site over and over again to get me in, and she just barely got me a set a, a session last year, and and I was excited to be to to do that. This year was no different. They announced PodCamp. I immediately went to their Facebook page and uh, where they announced their speaker up, and I said, guys. Cliff Ravenscraft here. I'm not going to be able to make it to your speaker up conference where you're going to talk about your speaking engagements and sessions. I just wanted to let you know I desperately 
want nothing more than to speak at your event. I'm going to be traveling from northern Kentucky, and I'm going to be bringing a bunch of people with me. And and please, whatever, you know, I know I can't make it there to sign up in person, but will you please add me to the list? And of course, um, you know, I've had a bunch of people who responded right below. It's like, Cliff, we, you know, I second that. I definitely want to have Cliff there. I, re- I really want to hear Cliff speak. I want to, and so I had a bunch of people say, I really want to, he- I really want to hear Cliff. Please give him the spot. Nobody from PodCamp um, really responded to that. And then all of a sudden, you know, I the announcement is made that they're going to open up registrations the week that I'm away on my No More Mondays cruise with Dan Miller. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so my friend Jonathan decides, you know what, Cliff, don't worry about it. I'm going to, as soon as they open up, I will go in and I'll, I'll, I'll propose a, uh, your podcasting 101 session and, and I'll, I'll put that in under my name just to reserve a spot for you. And I'm like, wow, thank you. I can breathe easily. Uh, you know, this year so far, I, I spent a total of about four or five hours wondering how am I going to get into a session at PodCamp Nashville in 2011. And, uh, you know, I, I come, I go on this cruise thinking everything's all taken care of. Um, Jonathan tells me, you know, that this is all, you know, he's got me in. Uh, and, and then I come back and I propose a session and, or this is sessions proposed. And I find out that the sessions, the, the sessions are still open. And then all of a sudden I get, uh, Dan Miller, David and Paula Foster, Connie and Sheila from the Connie and Sheila talk. And, and basically, uh, I, I, just, I had this amazing idea for a panel discussion of how to become a thought leader in your particular niche field uh, through the use of your audio podcast. And I'm, I assembled a panel of people with more, if you assemble all of our audiences together, more than 200,000 audience members. You know, and and this amazing panel, and I and I proposed that, and then I I sent you know at PCN a, a note saying, hey, I proposed this session and this session. When will we find out if we are guaranteed these positions? I want to, you know, these sessions. And I got a note back from PCN on Twitter saying that, hey, Cliff, you might want to read this. Uh, there are some changes to the guidelines this year, and there are two changes. One change I completely understand. This year they're limiting one. Session proposal per registrant for PodCamp. Completely, totally agree with that. So I say, okay, I'm going to keep my podcasting 101 because it's the one I'm most passionate about. I really want to keep give people the basics and give them as much as I can to help people who are thinking about starting a podcast and to start it right the first time without making all the most common mistakes. And then I said, you know what? I've got seven other people that I know that want to be a part of this panel. They're all going to have to register for the site. So I just went and had David Foster go in and create the other session under his name. And I'm like, okay, that's great, right? Except for here's the other guideline they have this year. This year, they're they're going to completely draw the sessions that will be covered at PodCamp through the luck of the draw. I don't know if they're going to put the session titles and cut them up and put them in a hat, but it's just going to be complete luck of the draw. Complete luck of the draw. Now, here's the thing. Go go to podcampnashville.com and look at the sessions. 90% of the sessions are not related to podcasting at all. Nothing. Nothing to do with podcasting at all. 90% of them. It is foreseeable that it is possible that with the luck of the draw, they could have a PodCamp Nashville with zero sessions le- uh, devoted to to podcasting. I, that just doesn't seem seem right, I, you know. And of course, I, th- sure, they probably could do some things to say, well, you know what, we probably should make sure that there's something in here. 
But the fact is, is that, you know, that I, I became very passionate about this. Um, you know, and, and I asked, I, 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 first and foremost, I understand that there's, there's an issue of, of problem with size. And so I proposed, you know, you know, there's some other options out there. Number one, there's first come first serve, which I believe is, is the best way to possibly do this, especially if you're not looking to, to do any of the other options. First come first serve seems to be uh, the best way to do it. Second, you could do a popularity or interest level voting. Now, I've been told by the organizers that, you know what, popularity voting uh, just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem characteristic of a pod camp. Uh, and, you know, nobody's a rock star here. It's not about popularity. And besides, I don't think you'd have it. I don't stand, think you would stand a fighting chance, although they didn't say it in those words, but it was implied that you wouldn't have a fighting chance not being from Nashville in a popularity vote. And of course, you know, I had 66 people sign up for my uh, event last year. I, I think it all has to do with having an interesting title for your session, uh, and, and a great description of your session, and not to mention the fact that there's a ton of ways you can market your session to the people who are going to be attending PodCamp Nashville. And I did it last year successfully, and I had a I had a stand standing crowd. You know, so I don't see how popularity would be a huge problem for somebody out of town. Anyway, it's not about popularity of Cliff Ravenscraft or Dave Delaney or or any of these other people. It's it it's the popularity of the interest level of attending one of these sessions. It's like let the people vote on, you know, here are the proposed sessions. Now, which of these topics are you as an as as a registered member coming to PodCamp, which ones do you most want to hear about? That seems that seems in line with a PodCamp, a, a user-generated concert um a conference, why not let the users generate which topics they're most interested in? Um, the the other option that I proposed was, you know, one day event, you're so, you, you ran out of space, try moving to a two day event. And I completely understand, you know, the volunteer work that's put into this, that nobody's paid to do this. And, and I respect that immensely. Uh, they're saying that there's not a, enough sponsorship dollars to, to sell a two day event. My thinking, of course, you know, is is make sure that PodCamp 12, you get some very good marketers that are that are there in Nashville, and I know you have plenty of them there to to market to your sponsors. You know, it's like, listen, let me tell you, PodCamp Nashville, we're bursting at the seams. We, you know, these people are interested. I tell you, we we had people who were <laughs> throwing an uproar about getting in to be able to speak. Let me just show you some of the, you know, the heated debate that was going on online. These people desperately want this event. You don't you want to have this engaged audience, and I guarantee you'd be able to bring some more money in, or at least more sponsors. That's and of course the other idea is a bigger venue, you know, and 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 there's got to be some schools in Nashville. I know PodCamp Nash or PodCamp Ohio. We do Ohio State University. I mean, there's certainly no uh, lack of space there, and there's got to be a university somewhere in Nashville, I would assume. Um, you know, but but the thing is, is I, I listened to their conference call from Speaker Up, and they're like, "We want to show Nashville is a is a happening scene for a technology hub and and all of this other stuff." But if if you're if if we if we have this mindset that we're we just can't expand and we have to limit then how do we show the world that we're this growing technology hub? That's my thought, all right? Very passionate about this. And and you know what? I, I was. I was extremely upset yesterday. Very upset. 
And, and, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I probably got, I blew it a, quite a bit out, too much out of a proportion, at least without being able to explain myself um, in detail. But here's the thing. I am passionate about PodCamp Nashville. I know for a fact that I personally am bringing 15 people this year, personally responsible for bringing 15 people there this year. And, 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 and those 15 people of those 15 people, five of them are going to drive more than two hours. And one person was almost willing to drive more than 10 hours to come. And, and, and so I just don't, I just don't get it. Um, but here's the, here's the situation podcast, you know, as much as there are great reasons for me to be passionate about wanting to speak, uh, uh, as much as there is, is, um, you know, great reasons for me to 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 be so upset about not being able to do the one thing that I've looked forward to and just assumed would be a given every single year at PodCamp Nashville if they have one. Um, you know, there's but the thing is, is I'm not guaranteed these things. It is, you know, these volunteers are putting this thing together. It's I'm not spending the time and effort to put it all together. And there's really no reason for me to stick it to the the organizers of PodCamp Nashville. You know, I want to I just want to stress my apologies for making a big to do over this all in 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 very public fashion and Twitter and Facebook yesterday. And that probably shouldn't have shouldn't have taken place. You know, I, I went for a long walk. I went for a five mile walk yesterday and I got to thinking about it. It's like, why am I so upset about this? And no, it's not about the money and the branding and the stuff like that. It's just that this is for me. It's it's like you guys. This is my number one passion. But again, podcasts aren't about Cliff Ravenscraft and what he wants. It's the world doesn't revolve around me. And sometimes I need to remind myself of that. And you know what, PodCamp really one of the things that they they stressed from the beginning. You heard at the beginning of this episode, Chris Brogan introduced the podcast Answer Man show this week. Chris Brogan is and, and Christopher S. Penn are the two individuals who founded. Not PodCamp Nashville, but all PodCamps. They founded PodCamp. And, and here's the deal. They said, listen, we do want a conference where nobody's where, – where actually, not where nobody's – where everybody's a rock star, where everybody's created equal, where everybody's considered equal. And you know what? There's been a lot of talk about Joe Schmo behind the bar who's never spoken, has no idea about anything about podcasting but wants to do a session anyway. He has every single right – Every single right to be considered for a session just as much as Cliff Ravenscraft, who has recorded more than 2,400 episodes, who devotes you know 40 to 80 hours a week to podcasting, who has taught hundreds of people to podcast, who has people who would come just to PodCamp just to hear me talk. And yeah, that sounds super arrogant, but it's just what people have told me over and over again. And it's the reason why I've just assumed that I would be able to get a spot, but none of that matters because PodCamp is not about me. And I understand that. And if I don't get to speak this year, if I don't get a session, uh, which which you know, there's a there's a ten percent chance I might make it uh, onto the onto the board for, through the luck of the draw. Uh, but here's the situation. If, and maybe actually my chance is probably not even ten percent. It's not even one out of ten. It's it's actually much lower than that. Uh, but the but the thing is, if I don't make it. I'm still going to go to PodCamp. I, I've I've met enough people over the last three years at PodCamp and BarCamp that you know what I will I will be able to to have the interaction and everything that I want to be. 
And and I just want to say that, folks, if you are considering not going to PodCamp because of the arguments and stuff, it, it, forget that. Get it out of your head. Come to PodCamp, and by golly, we will have a session in the street, okay? We'll do something, but come to PodCamp Nashville. I will be there. But not only will I be there, but my wife will be there as well. And here's the thing. Now, I can't – here's the deal. I have Dan Miller. There is nobody out there that I know that has – I mean, Leo Laporte has more podcast subscribers than 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 Dan Miller, okay? But Dan Miller, author of 48 Days to the Work You Love, best friends to Dave Ramsey. Who, who in Nashville doesn't know Dave Ramsey? Best friends with Dave Ramsey. You know, David Foster, who's also in – uh, the Eagles Club, this this group of men that get together on a weekly basis with Dan Miller and, and, and Dave Ramsey. David Foster and his wife Paula do the David and Paula show. You know, they're, they, all of these people are willing to be on a panel discussion that might possibly, by the luck of a random draw, won't be able to attend. And man, that really frustrates me. Oh my gosh, does it frustrate me that people who are wanting to come to a conference about podcasting won't be able to hear a panel of seven or eight people who are reaching this world in podcasting in a way that most people never even dream of. And to think that that might not get on the session just because of a luck of a draw. And now I've got all of these people. I've got Dave and Paula Foster. I've got Dan Miller. I've got Pierce Mars. I've got my wife and myself. I've got Connie and Sheila. All of us who had committed to do a session at PodCamp, and now I've got to write them all back and say, you know what, there's a good chance that we might not make it, and I'm not sure that we're going to be able to attend or, or uh, to present the session that we have spent so much time preparing. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of a bruised ego on my part, and and I'm a little bit upset about the fact that you know, that that I have put so much passion and energy and attention into this. And 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 you know what? It's is it is not the organizer's fault of PodCamp Nashville because they never promised me that I would be able to do any of this. I just assumed that it would be it would be there. And as long as the sessions were still open, as they have always been, as as long as the sessions are open, everybody who ever proposed a session while the sessions were open, with every single PodCamp I've ever attended i have always had the session offered that, that that that's never been denied and so it was it was quite a shock it was it was quite a shock to hear that uh and leslie by the way who is the C, who is mainly in charge of everything with podcamp nashville says that actually my chances are much better than one in ten and and i will graciously admit that i am horrible at math so i apologize um, sometimes my math is, is a little off, but anyway, I'm, I'm passionate about podcasting folks. I, there's, I'm passionate about PodCamp Nashville and, 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 and I just really had some, some thoughts about how I thought things would go. And, and, and it's not about, it is not PodCamp Cliff. And, and so, it, you know, it, yeah, I'm upset, but it's not their fault. And, and I just want to say that. But I did. I did want to actually share my thoughts, and and I I don't like the random. I I first come first serve is how it's always been done, and and that's how I would prefer it. But I'm not organizing PodCamp Nashville, and I know some of you are saying, Cliff, why don't you do PodCamp Hebron or PodCamp Cincinnati? And uh, you know, I, you know what the the truth is is I uh, maybe I'm not as passionate about PodCamp as Leslie Smith and Dave Delaney and. 
and uh, you know, and um, Angelo Mondado and Chris Brogan and Christopher S. Penn, because you know what? Those people, and let me just share this before anybody out there gets upset with the organizers of PyCamp. Understand this. They all have other lives. Many of them have, you know, other jobs. They have all these, they have kids, they have other projects that they work on. And every single one of these organizers are doing this completely of their own free will, their own voluntary efforts. They're not being paid a single penny. And my friends, I will, I I tell you, because I know the people who put these things together, they spend countless hours upon hours upon hours putting these events together. And so please understand, I am not angry or upset with the organizers of PodCamp Nashville. I am just not in agreement with the idea of random draws. I really don't like them. And yes, I will admit, it is very much selfish, uh, uh, selfishly due to the fact that I had just assumed too much. And I never in a billion years would have assumed that I would ever see a random draw of 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 those things and and you know what if if um i I proposed a story a hypothetical story um uh for for to explain my passion for this and it was about you know let's just say you have these 30 apple fanboys who were waiting for the very first iphone to be launched you know they heard the announcement they had never been more excited and these 30 uh, apple fanboys got together and camped out at their local store apple store um, you know, an entire seven days before the launch event. And of course, they've been chased away by security. Uh, they've been told that they couldn't stand outside the store. They couldn't stay any, they couldn't stay on the mall property. They, they had to actually go to the other side of the street and wait there for seven days. It rains, it's cold, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're just, they're just crazy nuts about the Apple iPhone that's getting ready to be released. And, and they're sitting out there and, and they wait an entire seven days, 24 hours a day and then six hours before the store opens up they are allowed to move to their line to be the official line that stands in line six hours before the store opens up and they're the first 30 people in line all right they are the first 30 people in line they've been there for a week and then all of a sudden over the course of that six hours leading up to the launch about 400 more people show up all right, and there now there's a line of 430, and of course I messed this up when because <laughs> my math is not great, and I'll probably mess it up right now. But here's the here's the deal. Um, the situation is this: you know, you got 430 people in line, and then all of a sudden the Apple Store manager comes out right at the launch time, opens up the doors. There's eruption of just screaming and yelling. And of course, the loudest part of it is, is the 30 people who have been sitting there, and now they're delirious after been waiting for a week to get this iPhone. And then all of a sudden, the manager's got a bullhorn, and he announces to the entire ground of 430 people that says, folks, we were supposed to have 600 iPhones for the launch, and due to a clerical error... We only have 60, and everybody's devastated. And then all of a sudden, the Apple Store manager says to the crowd, says, listen, we've got, we're going to take every, we're going to give every single person in line a number starting from the beginning with number one, going all the way to the end with 430. Everybody's going to be given a number. We've got a program here, and they are randomly, just at the luck of the draw, it's randomly going to choose 60 numbers between one and 430. And you know what? That's who's going to get to purchase the iPhone today. And everybody else is going to have to just be happy to wait 
until you can eventually get your chance. Now, who does that sound fair to? It, you know, the thing is, is does does the Apple Store have every single right to sell their iPhones, their 60 iPhones, in any way they choose? You better believe it. But in my mind, and yes, I'm very biased, but in my mind, the people who would be willing to wait an entire week that are that passionate about their products probably, and and and, and tell me if I'm wrong, and, and I guarantee you this is talking about provoking response to get feedback. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think those 30 people deserve it. That's all I've got to say. And you know what? I feel like a total jerk right now. I feel like a total arrogant idiot, and I won't even say the other words because I do. I, I, I sound like a big baby behind this microphone, but it's the way that I feel. And, and, and you know what? And, 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 and I'm even now, I, should, I, I wasn't even supposed to get this excited, and here I am an hour and 20 minutes into this episode, and my apologies, apologies to Eric Fisher, my co-host for Social Media Serenity, who I'm now 30 minutes late for. But uh, yeah, I, I'm passionate about podcasting. And I was upset about PodCamp Nashville. And, and the thing is, is you want to hear why this is so stupid? And I'm just going to tell you right now why I'm so stupid. There's no reason for me to make this big of a stink. Because you know what? There is a very real chance that my session will get selected. There's a very real chance that the session that I proposed for, with Dan Miller and Dave and Paula Foster and Connie and Sheila and myself and my wife and Pierce Mars, there's a very good chance that it might but the thing is, the fact that it's just a chance, and, and to be honest with you, it was mostly my bruised ego about the fact that I have to actually, if if the the Dan Miller and David Paul, Paula Foster, Connie Sheila and Pierce and Stephanie and Cliff Ravenscraft panel, if that one doesn't get cho- chosen, I'm going to feel like a fool. And, and, and it's going to bruise my ego in a very big way. And and that's a very big reason why I'm a, I'm a little upset as well. And And again... None of that falls on the shoulders of PodCamp Nashville organizers. So with that being said, there you go. Should I even bring up my last topic? Hey, guys, my podcasting A through Z course starts Tuesday, March 1st. That's this coming Tuesday as I'm recording this. And I want to let you know it is $800 per participant. And um, you can go to podcastanswerman.com slash A-T-O-Z. Podcastanswerman.com slash a T-O-Z, to learn more information about it. Um, It's $800. It is limited to 20 people. We have uh, 14 people signed up, so there are six places left open right now. Now, I will tell you, I have four people who are pending a commitment, uh, but until those people commit, those six places are just as open to anybody. Uh, We're not going to do a random draw. Uh, we are not going to do a random draw. First come, first serve uh, here at Podcast Answer Man. And, um, oh, that was really bad taste. I apologize. But seriously, folks, um, uh, if you want to sign up for this, here's here's the deal. I'm going to give you some additional information. Uh, the video and the site says a lot, and, and I encourage you to go check it out there at podcastanswerman.com slash A-T-O-Z. But here's the deal. Every single video tutorial product that I have for sale on podcastanswerman.com slash products is going to be given to the participants of this group. Now, if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash A2Z, you'll notice that there are, I think there are two, there are two uh, tutorials that are are on the products page but not listed as being offered to this group. I want to tell you that 
every, every video tutorial that I have available on podcastanswerman.com slash products, including the, uh, the, the one that is um, passive income strategies for podcasters. Every one of them, and that total, the, the cost, the value of that is well over $1,000. All of those will be included and given to everybody who attends this, this A to Z session. Not only that, but you will have a ton of additional uh, little one-off video training tutorials, audio training tutorials that I am going to be creating specifically for this group, the discussion group, I will be completely devoted to just 20 people through the entire month of March. I'm already turning away all my one-on-one consulting calls um, and, and for the month of March, and it's these 20 people are the people who are getting my attention as far as my consulting goes, and I will be involved in every single discussion, and, and um, I, you know what? I'm publicly going to say this. You know what? I, I am committed to making sure that every single person gets where they need to go and that will pro and I, I want to be cautious of this because I got to watch out with 20 people that can take up a lot of time. Most everything should happen in the discussion forums, but if necessary, these people are going to, you know, I mean, I'm going to do everything in my power to give these people everything they need. And if that means that I need to jump on the go-to meeting with them and help them get through one particular step where they're just really bumped up against the wall, then maybe I'll do a 20 or 30-minute session, you know, once or twice to help them in certain areas. You know, folks, I want you to understand, this is a limited-time offer. 20 people is all that can get in. And if you're interested, go to podcastanswerman.com slash A to Z or email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. And you know what? Um, this show's way too long. I'm not even going to give you an outro music. Just want to say thank you, and I apologize for my very long rant, and my sincere and deepest apologies to the organizers of PodCamp Nashville for me assuming too much and for me getting so passionate and upset about something that might possibly not even be an issue for me. But still, even even if I get in, I, I would be still a little bit upset for some of the people who were the other 30 people who were in line to get their iPhones that didn't. So God bless you. I'm such a jerk. We'll talk to you later. Bye.